podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello there and welcome once again to Steve Bloomer's Washing, Derby County fan podcast. It's been another fortnight of fluctuating fortunes for the Rams since our last pod. A six-goal thriller, a midweek shocker and a four-goal thrashing leaving Lampard's men still just about in top six contention ahead of that busy Easter programme. I'm Chris and joining me to assess where that mixed bag of results leaves Derby's promotion chances are Tom Martin. Hello. Hi there. And Richard Kutcher, happy early Easter to you, sir. Happy early Easter to you. Have a cheeky subscribe while you're here, won't you? You can follow us on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud to get the latest episode first. Just search for Steve Bloomer's Washing. And uh, in this episode, as well as chatting about Brentford, Blackburn and Bolton, we're going to go north of the border as well to hear from Scottish national football reporter, Gareth Law about Graham Shiniester Shinny, just doing the air quotes there, uh, the left-sided midfielder who is in talks to become Derby's first summer signing. I believe it's my turn on quiz duty. You both ready for that? Yep. I'm excited, Chris. Um, so I'm going to drop a king of clubs, a KOC. Good choice. Um, for this podcast. And the name you are thinking about for this one is Sir Robert of Earnshaw. Interesting. Um, Good. A hero of the 0718. As, as heroes come. Again, yeah. using the air quotes for hero. So Richard and Tom have to battle it out to see how many of an ex-Derby player's former clubs they can name. We'll come back to that one at the end of the pod. Most recently, however, Derby are clinging on to that top six chase, aren't they? With that drubbing of beleaguered Bolton. It's a bit of a, a weird sort of a game, really, wasn't it? Because I think there's only so much you can really learn about a team when they smash a virtually relegated side at home. And, you know, Bolton definitely did look like that side. I was there myself at the uh, at Pride Park for the for the game. But on the flip side, you know, three points ticked off from the games that we absolutely had to win to give ourselves any chance, really. And at least it was a reaction to that abysmal showing against Blackburn, Richard. Yeah, and not just a team that's already relegated or pretty much already relegated, but a team which or a club which is going through a horrendous time off the pitch Players aren't getting paid. Staff aren't getting paid, which is which is even worse. And uh, it's not, not a nice situation for the players or the fans to be in at Bolton. So it's not particularly surprising that once we had got those, got that first goal even, and definitely the second just before half time, that they couldn't put up much of a fight. But the old cliche is you can only beat what's put in front of you, and we did a good job beating them. Quite similar to the Rotherham game, really, I guess, in terms of just a team which is struggling once we do get in our flow of playing that attacking football they're not going to be able to deal with it you've got to put a team to the sword like Bolton we did it with Rotherham a few weeks ago I think we rode our luck a bit more against Rotherham um, but Bolton came and they, they were pretty ordinary but Derby were playing some really nice stuff they create a lot of chances um, moving the ball one touch football and stuff and that's what we've, we complain about when Derby don't play well it's the fact that they hold on to the ball they don't make those brave decisions and don't try and go forward so you can't be you can't be critical of a 4-0 victory and yes okay it's against Bolton who are having a lot of problems but I think it's good good performance good result 
tempting to just um, copy and paste in our previous discussion of Mason Mount into this podcast, really. I mean, not not a huge amount more we can say about him, clearly a, a quality player. It's just, I mean, the feedback I was getting on, the, you know, on, on Twitter and from what I was seeing from, from fans after the game was that people are just enjoying seeing someone like him play for us, really. Um, it's not going to be long term, but it's great to see a young player have this stage of his career um, at our club. It's a bit of a privilege, really, isn't it? And, you know, his first career hat-trick in uh, in professional football a great a great place to have in in our side at a crucial time in the season yeah and absolutely i think that what lampard has said over and over again which i think you can definitely see is true is that mount wilson tamori they're all loving playing at derby this season whether that's because they're playing for frank whether because they've they really enjoy the area whether they've just got a really nice team spirit i think they obviously really do enjoy for derby and i've never i don't think i've ever seen another player play with such a, a permanent smile on his face. Mason Mount is always smiling. Obviously, he's smiling when he's scoring a hat-trick and when he's scoring goals. But he just seems delighted to be on the football pitch and that, it's a great sign. And I think him coming back now, he has got better over the last few games and hopefully he, he stays fit for, for the rest of the running because he, he's very, very useful player. I think he moves his feet so quickly that defenders can't deal with it. Um, the way that he sort of glides in between uh, from the midfield up to the sort of forward line um, is just incredible. The the goal that I really liked was the one-two he played with Waghorn and he went one-on-one with the keeper, sold him, sold the keeper a dummy and put it in the other corner. The keeper had absolutely no chance. It's a, a brilliant goal and a really great player. Me and you said, Chris, when we saw him at Reading on the first day, he looks like a real talent. Um, scored obviously a decent goal then, and he was he was great at the beginning of the season. And he looks like he's recapturing that form just at a critical moment for us. Just out of interest, coach, what do you think Mason Mount's doing now that he wasn't doing when he had that dip in form after Christmas? It's probably it's probably played a bit more naturally. Probably not trying too hard. I think he had that dip in form around just after Christmas. So he said, I think he was probably tired. I think he's overplayed. We'd, we'd commented on it at the time. And probably when you're overplayed and you're tired, you're probably trying too hard. You're not doing a natural thing. At the moment, he seems to be playing with freedom again. The other point I might make, uh, what's, what's the other comparison between the start of the season and the end of the season? It's the weather. Nicer pitches, nicer tracks, as we like to say on this on this, on this As spot. you like to say. <laughs> and, you know, nice, Here comes and the uh, whip it analogy again. It, 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 no, out of track four, is he? <laughs> but it's not... Um, that might sound like a criticism, but it's not. I just think he, he obviously he's a he's a football player, so he's going to relish nicer conditions when it when it is a good day. And also, let's be honest, Rotherham was a nice game to come back at, and Bolton also did not a, a lovely home game to appear in. Are you saying our playoff chances hinge on what the weather's like? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. Um, I think with players like Mal and players like Wilson, uh, they're flair players. They're they're very skillful, very technical. Um, if you'd have taken them back into the Derby team, we're talking about this last podcast in ninety six, ninety seven, playing at the baseball ground, those kind of players might have struggled because they're, they're perhaps not. Maybe Wilson is direct, but not as sort of like a, a sort of powerful, forceful sort of player. Um, and I think that Mount Mount definitely suits a sort of bit more space, bit more time, better quality sort of surface. And that's understandable. He'll learn as well and he'll continue to develop. He's a young player, but it's great to see him back on form. Yeah, it was that second goal in the game uh, just before half-time, which basically killed off Bolton in um, at the weekend. And they had frustrated us for a good 35 minutes, to be fair. You know, they were keeping like a solid, a solid shape, two banks of four, getting into that shape quite quickly whenever we got forward. But... Um, Getting in at 2-0, I think, was a real weight off our minds, you know, a weight off our shoulders, sorry. Um, because you could see at the start of the second half, they just looked a beaten side, really. They were doing their best up until then, but getting that second goal just before half-time was a big blow to them. And 
it was good that we were able to go on the second half and get two more. And it relaxes the players as well because they know they've got that cushion so they can just, they can basically continue playing the way they are playing. If, if they went in 1-0, it might have had mixed messages at half-time because obviously there was more goals to get and we could have got even more than four. But you would have still been had in the back of your mind you know, one mistake and we're back to 1-1. So it probably gave the team a lot more freedom to play in the second half. As you said, they didn't have much opposition by the looks of it. And it's just like um, important to get that second goal by half-time because... You've seen in other games at home where we've struggled against um, teams who've been quite pragmatic, like Millwall, Millwall at home. Yeah. The longer it goes on, the more belief they get and whether they can just nick something and Stoke as well. Um, so yeah, good to uh, good to kill it off. Just, think, say, Tom. Yeah, I just think the the last point on it is um, Derby have played the the sides at the bottom home in a way now now um, the five bottom sides. Sorry, I think they've only won three games and lost five in those, including a, a double uh, against us for Millwall. Uh, beating us home and away that's been our real Achilles heel it's not been going to the likes of say um, to West Brom where we played well and uh, Middlesbrough I thought we were brilliant against away from home earlier in the season it's been Millwall at home Rotherham away Millwall away uh, Bolton away back in September as well they've been the real difficulties and it's that lack of consistency that this Derby team has got um, which is make meaning that this isn't going to this isn't been a great season so far um, and I think that's the frustrating thing where you've got a talent like Mount a talent like Wilson um, and we're not up the top of the league because we definitely could be with that team you do yeah I, I don't I agree there like there's this part of you that thinks that not that we're wasting those players but it's such a shame that they may end up playing for a side who don't get promoted because I think they do deserve it don't they and well a lot of players in that team deserve it but it has to be a collective effort over the whole season um, you can do it against Rotherham and do it against Bolton but if you can't do it against Rotherham away Bolton away Millwall away Blackburn Ipswich away, away Stoke, Stoke on away. a Tuesday night um, <laughs> this is all my material for the second half anyway so we shouldn't <laughs> dwell on this too much but um, yeah that's the, that, that's the frustrating part in a way so going back to Bolton the third goal a, a rare headed goal by Mason Mount almost a perfect hat trick wasn't it well, does, does it count as a headed goal? I don't know. We head to in-cut, so yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's got to. <laughs> yeah, but it was a, it was a it was a miscontrol from Mount. Not not to criticise him, but it was a miscontrol, and he and he he used the tools available to him to complete the task in front of him, <laughs> and uh, he did it very well. So that's one for the stats. On the on the thing about hat tricks, our other hat trick hero from from two weeks ago, Martin Waghorn. I thought he missed an opportunity with his hat trick because he could have taken his second penalty with his right foot, and that would have been a, a perfect hat trick. I meant to bring it up last time, but I forgot. I think if you score a perfect hat trick, you should get another match ball. Just get get two, or <laughs> yeah, like double. We get six goals. <laughs> yeah, like a double or quit situation. Yeah, yeah. you had yeah. Uh, something about hat tricks early on, coach. Yeah, I was trying to find out if uh, we'd ever had players score back to back home game hat tricks, and uh, my research was inconclusive. But I'm going to guess no. But then we also realised that up until Bryson against Forest, we haven't scored any sort of hat trick for years. about twenty years. League so. hat trick, yeah, because the yeah. Duke had scored one in the cup. And yeah, the um, the goal that sealed that hat trick that was particularly bad from a defensive point of view from uh, from Bolton, wasn't it? That short corner and that through ball from uh, from Ashley Cole, leaving Mount with uh, with a lot of time and space to slide him eight yards out. I was sort of looking at that goal. And it reminded me of the sort of defending that you see when you're playing FIFA online and like my cat walks in front of the screen at the <laughs> inopportune time or something, you know, it's like completely statuesque stuff. And But again, you can only beat what's in front of you um, and, he, and he took it well. 
Bolton are an ordinary and a pretty limited side. They've done they did well to get up last year with all the problems they had. Um, they've done well to compete this year uh, so far. It looks like they're de- doomed for relegation though. Um, and what they are is they're they're, they're drilled and they're organised and they stick in their place. They're not very uh, I guess sort of fluid. They don't react to things um, because they're drilled to to stick in their own their own sort of areas. So when you get a team like Derby who go and attack them with pace and movement, um, they really struggled with that. And that's what you saw from that that final goal from Mountain. It's, well-worked corner, something off the training ground, clearly. Um, and uh, a good finish and a good goal. Uh, it's got to pull you up on that one. They stayed up last season, didn't they? Because they... Um, oh, yes, they did, yeah. They got a result against Forest on the final day, I think. Yeah, it was two years ago. That they came the season before. Yeah. I know that someone will definitely tweet us about that. Please don't. <laughs> Please <laughs> um, do. Don't add us. <laughs> the, first, the first goal of the four was the lesser-spotted Craig Bryson popping up with, uh, what, his third, second goal of the season? Something like that. Probably should have found that out beforehand. But anyway, gave it the old cup to ears celebration afterwards to no one in particular. Um, do you think that was justified given some of the stick he's got recently or, or a bit a bit over the top? I think it's hard to read into. I saw quite a bit about this on Twitter and people, you know, most people were defending him and saying, uh, you know, this, this, this example of, uh, this demonstrates the toxicity, the toxicity, easy for me to say, of the uh, of the fan base, and that's Brighton reacting to it and you know complaining about criticism that he and other players have received. One, we don't know why he did it. He hasn't come out and said it. We, we were just watching the Liverpool game just now, and Mo Salah scored, and he did exactly the same celebration. No one's saying that's him having a go at Liverpool fans, is it? Um, so I don't think you can actually read too much into celebrations. I think there's multiple reasons why players do that. If it was a reaction to him getting criticism, he's perfectly within his rights to do it as. Fans are perfectly within their rights to criticise players. I don't necessarily agree with the criticism of, of Bryson and others, but he's been in and out of the team. He's probably been frustrated this season, but I, I don't know why he did it, and I don't really care, to honest. I think, do what you want. I think uh, in the Salah thing's probably at the media who say he's not having a, a great season, but on Bryson, he's not. He's been frustrating this season. Uh, and as I say, in and out of the team, and there's a reason why he's been in and out of the team. When he's been in the team, he's not been good enough. Uh, and when he's been out of the team, at times, the side has looked a lot better than him. So he has. It's, the criticism has been justified in the sense that he hasn't played as well as he he can do and what we've seen in the past few seasons um however i i don't really like to criticize someone who i think is a, a, a modern day derby legend he's one of my favorite players one of the top performing players over the last sort of five or six years um and i've got some great memories of bison i think maybe, maybe that is it sorry to interrupt yeah. from his point of view he's played what like 200 250 games for derby or whatever it is probably probably wrong on that but he's played a lot of games for derby played for us through some some really bad times and good Maybe from his point of view, he feels like he's earned the right to maybe have a slightly below average season. And you know what though? Like he's he's he is still loved by Derby County fans. Like I was at the Brentford game on on the Saturday, it, we were singing the Kerry Bryson song during the warm up and during the match, and he was loving it. And he is he knows he's he knows he's appreciated by Derby County fans. Yeah, there might be a few people having to go having to pop at him on Twitter, and I'm sure the players do look at Twitter. And maybe he's just annoyed at the atmosphere in general at, the, at games. I don't know. As I said, we don't actually know what I actually would wish players would do rather than do these celebrations which are open to interpretation. If you've got a problem, just come out and say it. Like fans, Players are slowly becoming more honest and more open, I think, in general. I think you will get to a point soon where players actually will just start saying what they think a bit more about, whether it's their own fans or other fans and, and, and speaking out against abuse or whatever it is. I think I just feel it's a bit petty from both sides if there's these little silly celebrations. Going back to Tom's criticism of Bryson, though, I think I think it's fair enough. Um, but you no, know, other than other than Mount in that midfield three, 
who who has and Mount had an off time, who has been consistent. Like Lampard hasn't found the formula right. That's partly down to the players. That's also partly down to him. So Bryson hasn't had a great season in the in the midfield, but no one particularly has had a great season in in midfield. Yeah, I, I can see that, and that's why we've given criticism to Johnson, to Huddleston, um, even to Mount. Not quite as as strong against Mount, but um, we certainly sort of highlighted his lack of form, and that's a fair point. I think. Bryson can say what he wants or, or do what he wants. It can be left open to interpretation. Um, he scored a lot of goals for Derby, over over 35 in his career. Lots of important goals. And that was an important goal yesterday to set us on the way because it could have been very frustrating. He squeezed that past the keeper, uh, who had a good game, by the way, but squeezed past the keeper, it was near post. Um, and it set us on the way to a good 4-0 victory. And that's the point that he should be making. And hopefully he continues that between now and the end of the season. Another player who has also hit the headlines derby-wise for his lack of form or lack of fitness was uh, Jack Marriott, who was left out the 18 for the Blackburn and Brentford games entirely. Then Lampard coming out with some quite interesting quotes about how uh, Marriott has to essentially work his way back into the team um, on the training field. And he was on the bench against Bolton, came on for the last 15 minutes, uh, wasn't really given a chance but you know that the game was the game was gone by then. Really, what do you make of the way that Lampard dealt with that from a man management point of view, Richard? Well, we don't know, do we? What goes on in the training field? That's that's the problem with this. I think if is, we got no reason to believe that Lampard isn't being um, honest. So if he isn't training well, then fine, leave him out. I think that's that's the, for the good of the, the wider squad and, and his wider plan. Is like this is the level that I set in training. If you're not meeting that level, you're not running hard enough or you're, maybe he's turning up late. We don't know what's happened, as I said. Then if he's not meeting the standards required and he, he shouldn't be getting picked. I know that some people have been saying, well, when you've got a talent like that, a mercurial talent, you've just got to let them do do whatever they want. Like Jim Smith and Redknapp Classics, they used to let people like Pala Wontrop or Trevo West get along, get away with whatever they want to get away with because they're great players. Marriott hasn't proved himself to that level yet. You can, you can have a substandard training performance if you are banging in 20 goals. The fact is he, he had a poor run in the team and if his training's not going well as well, then he's had every right to be dropped. Do you think part of it, Tom, is that maybe Lampard sort of wanted to make an example out of Marriott, really? Um, you have to take his word for it that Marriott wasn't doing enough in training, but it's quite convenient for him as well that he can have a player who isn't really doing enough and he can leave him out and publicly say why he's left him out to send a message to the rest of the squad that they can't let their levels drop if they're going to stay around the match day squad. Yeah, I think that I think that's a really good point, and I think it's also a fair point. If the criticism was unjustified, you'd have a very unhappy player there, but it's obviously been justified um, because he would. Have prob- I would imagine Lampard would speak to Marriott before, and it hasn't seen the reaction he wants to. Uh, and let's face it, I remember. Back in August, thinking, oh, this this lad runs a lot. He puts a lot of work in. I said that he's gonna, he could well become a firm favourite at Derby. Scored his first goal at Old Trafford, then went on a really good run of scoring uh, and assisting goals through the October November time. He has dropped off, and he's not been as effective as he was in that early part of the season. So the criticism of Marriott for me looks justified in terms of I haven't seen good enough performances from him when he's been in the team. And if that's because he's not training hard enough. And that's what our manager says, and that's what I believe, and he needs to work harder in training uh, in order to get in there. Well, there you go. Two games for him, to, uh, two busy games over the Easter period for Marriott to maybe force his way back in to Lampard's thoughts, um, get those goals that maybe sneak us back into the top six. We're going to talk more about Blackburn and Graeme Shinney and Brentford after the short little break, but Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, the family-run micro pub operator in Derby with a venue walking distance from Pride Park in the tap 
And while you're here, give us a follow on social. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So it appears Frank Lampard's plans for next season are already well underway. Uh, Scottish midfielder Graham Shinney was spotted having talks at Pride Park recently, and uh, joining us on the phone to give us a lowdown on Derby's potential new signing, fresh from covering the Aberdeen Celtic Scottish FA Cup, si- FA Cup semi-final, is sports journalist for the Scottish Sun, Gareth Law. How are you doing, Gareth? You all right? Yes, good, Chris. Thanks. Good to hear from you. So, start off by telling us what sort of player is Graham Shinney then? Uh, Derby have been crying out for this sort of no-nonsense midfield battler. Is it fair to say that uh, Shinney is that sort of player? He's not a stranger to a booking, uh, is Graham Shinney. Um, but he he's certainly a guy who, you know, I think if, if Frank Lampard gets him, um, I think he's a guy who one thing you can't fault him for is his effort, energy. You know, he'll give everything for the shirt. I guess the one thing that'll that'll be the the big question mark. I guess um, well, it'll be interesting to see if he can if he can kind of make the the step up from from playing for Aberdeen and going into the Derby the Derby lineup. I think he's he's, he's certainly somebody you know you can you can depend on. He's, he's grown into into a real leader on the park for Aberdeen since he's since he moved there. Um, I think it was three or four years ago. Um, he took over the captaincy just over I think it was a year or two ago. Um, and I don't think I don't think the fans will be able to fault him for, for effort, put it that put it that way. Does he tend to chip in with goals? Does he get forward well or is is it, is his game more about the uh, defensive side, would you say? Because yeah, he can play he can play at uh, left back and left side of midfield, can't he? He can, but um I wouldn't imagine Frank Lampard will be looking at using him there if, if he saw him playing for, for Scotland out in Kazakhstan uh, last month. I don't know if uh, if any of you guys saw it, but um, he was kind of asked to, to play at left back. It's actually it's actually the position um, where he came through at Inverness, um, and he was actually signed by Aberdeen as a left back. Derek McInnes, the Aberdeen manager, converted him into into a midfielder. And that's where he's gone on to make his name. But um, last month, uh, Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson were both injured for the game out in Kazakhstan. So um, Alex McLeish uh, was kind of forced to play him there again. You know, it's, it's a it's something Graham Shinney would never turn down. Um, and he was actually at fault. You could argue for all three goals, uh, quite quite heavily at fault and was kind of like the four guy for that game. So I would imagine Frank Lampard would have seen that. And uh, yeah, I think midfield will be where you'll be seeing him and play uh, if, he, if he joins Derby. But it's, some, it's someone that we've been looking for, like a no-nonsense midfielder, as Chris alluded to. You mentioned his bookings and the, the amount that he's not afraid to get. Is that a, a evidence that he's quite a competitive midfielder or does he have some serious disciplinary problems? He, he's one of these guys, I guess, who... He's not afraid to take one for the team. I think he's one of these guys who will will see it as a good yellow card a lot of the time. But don't get me wrong, there have, there have been times when when he's um, when he has got the, the sort of the, the the odd yellow that can be a frustrating one. Um, but he's not. I mean, he's not. Whoever he comes up against, I mean, he's had a long running battle with with the Celtic captain Scott Brown whenever they've played, um, and they've had a few. A few. Uh, they've created a few words, 
in the press off off the pitch after after games they they've um, they faced each other in. So he's not somebody who shirks a challenge in that sense. But I wouldn't quite put it down as as, as a sort of disciplinary problem. What you know, he's not a guy who who will get sent off for, for throwing an elbow or something like that. It's more just a mistimed challenge. Speaking of Aberdeen then, you were at the, uh, the Scottish uh, Cup semi-final, as we just said there. Derby still have young left-back Max Lowe on loan up there. Um, he was sent up there at the start of the season, played half the season, then um, his six-month loan spell ended, played a couple of games for Derby in January, then went back up there to Aberdeen. Um, which you don't see very often, let's be honest. Um, has he, from what you've seen of him, has Max Lowe improved enough to be in Lampard's first team plans next season? I think I think the jury's still out on that one, Chris. I think, um, I mean, he came in as you say the first half of the season and impressed. I think I think Derek McInnes, he, he was the type of left back Derek McInnes wanted in his side. Obviously, somebody who's quite mobile, quite attacking, can get up and down the left side, joining the attacks. And I think, I mean, he obviously went back down to, to Pride Park, as you say, and it seemed to probably suit suit both parties. That uh, you, you can only presume that Frank Lampard didn't think he was he was ready to, to sort of play regularly in the first team. And I know that Aberdeen were looking for other left backs because, so I don't know whether possibly Frank Lampard thought he would he would be ready for the second half of the season initially. But then when when Max Lowe became available again, I think Derek. McInnes, the Aberdeen manager, you know, jumped at the chance to to get him back again. As you say, I was at, I was at Hamden today, and apologies uh, for, if I'm sounding a bit bunged up, but I'm just about uh, just about thawed out as it was quite uh, it was a it was a breezy Hamden Park today. Max Lowe, I mean, he he was you could argue he was culpable at the first goal uh, Celtic scored today. James Forrest spun off him, turned and shot from 25 yards into the top corner. It was a but you could argue he was given a bit too much time and space by. By Max Lowe, um, I think he's still very good at getting forwards. I still, I'm totally sure about his positional sense during a game. I think there's there are times when he he can sometimes because of his, his his kind of natural instinct to go forwards, he can sometimes get caught up field, and then that allows the opposition to to run in behind the behind him into the gaps that that, that he sometimes leaves. I think he's I mean, he's still he's still fairly young and I think there's, there's certainly potential there it's just I mean I, I don't know whether he will have improved sufficiently to, to be ready for next season I think there's certainly potential there for both of them and I think that, that the Frank Lampard is I mean it's, 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 it's one thing to say that you know you go into the dugout and you've got to hit the ground running but there's also the case that I think recruitment doesn't happen overnight either and I think you, you, you know you need to be given a certain number of of windows to, to, to build, properly build a team, and and while, while Frank Lampard has obviously done very very well so far, you know you might look at it and think that albeit he's brought signings in, that he might need another window, possibly two, before it properly is is his squad. So I think uh, I, mean, I think with the introduction of, of somebody like like Graham Shinney, I mean we, we didn't talk about you know the possibility. I mean there's been other clubs in for for Graham Shinney. You know if, if he if he makes it to, to Derby, I think he will be a he'll be a useful addition. So that's Graham Shinney then, uh, who could well be Derby County's first summer signing, uh, spotted at the club in the past few days, and he's in talks with Derby, and I think he's had offers from or interest from a few other clubs as well. Certainly likes a tackle, likes a yellow card, the sort of player that we were definitely missing against Blackburn, wasn't he, Richard? I mean, uh, just a 
really terrible performance there, almost for me, as, as bad as Villa, really, because we offered nothing going forward, um, invited them on, invited pressure, didn't win those second balls, didn't do enough in another hard away game against a physical side in the bottom half and got what exactly we deserved, which is nothing. Yeah, and unlike Villa, you know, Blackburn are playing, aren't playing for anything. You know, Blackburn would have been there if we'd got the first goal in that game. If we'd turned up for the first half hour, that might be enough to win the game because a bit like against Bolton, they haven't got much to play for. And would would they be up for the fight if, if, if Derby had turned up? Pro- pro- probably not. Um, it's just very frustrating. It just encapsulates, the last week just encapsulates our season in general, you know, really in, well, up and down performance away at Brentford. You know, great attacking play, but some problems at the back. Blackburn away, we just don't turn up. And we've we've had too many days like that this season. And then obviously we follow it up with with a four 0 win. It's just very frustrating that they can't put a couple of performances back to back. A sort of performance which um, shows why I'm afraid. I've I've got to I've got to be honest. I just think we'll be a little bit short this season. I mean, I did like a a little sort of Q and A on our Instagram page, and someone asked me top six yes or no, and I said I think we'll sneak in on the last day of the season. Um, I think I might have to redress that uh, that opinion. <laughs> That's just blind optimism. Now, yeah, well, I was, you know, I was trying to approach it in a glass half full sort of a sense, but I just think we'll come up a little bit short. Obviously, I'd love us to to make it. I really hope that we still do if we win those three games out of five. But it's all very well putting ten past two of the worst teams in the league at home. But you look at our away performances against those physical, direct sides in the bottom half: Bolton, Millwall, Ipswich. Rotherham, Blackburn, Stoke. We only took one point from those away games this season. And that's going to be the undoing of us in, in trying to get in the playoffs, isn't it? The, the most frustrating thing this season is going back to podcasts in sort of the December, January period when we had the uh, the really tough run of fixtures over Christmas. We had like Sheffield United and Middlesbrough, uh, for example. Um, it was like if we get a decent amount of points when we're in touch we could be pushing for more automatic promotion this year. Not just the playoffs, it could be a genuine uh, chance to challenge at the top if we can d- develop that consistency. And actually what happened is we did develop some consistency. Consist- consistency at giving the ball away and conceding goals and losing games, unfortunately. Um, and we've just dropped away from it. And it has been that uh, sort of frustration, as Kutch has said there, um, about this season, how we can be brilliant one game, um, f- good in parts and then frustrating in other parts in the next game woeful in the next game after that one and then excellent again in the, in the, in the game following it's just so frustrating you were saying Richard before we recorded that the last three games were basically a microcosm of, of the entire season like a you know a thrilling draw of a, a ridiculous defeat and a and a comprehensive victory but here's two killer stats for you we haven't actually won two in a row since December and we haven't won away this year um, <laughs> those are the cold hard facts that present the case that we are just not quite there are we yeah and I think that away statistics particularly worrying because I, I do think that actually whether we get sixth place or not will be come down to the game away at Bristol City I think we will be at the end of the season there'll probably be three points between us and Bristol City or about three points and, and that whoever has the more points will be the one that probably won the game at Ashton Gate in look a couple at, of weeks time look at the playoffs though even if we did get there somehow you need to play well for three games in a row to to win them, and yeah. we haven't we haven't we've only done that once all season, really. So I just don't think we've got it in us 
to maintain the performance levels for long enough to do it. F- football's a bizarre game, isn't it? That can that can come and that can change very quickly. And it could it seemed like it was all doom and gloom for Middlesbrough a couple of weeks ago, but two back to back wins and they're still in the in the chase for the playoffs. Um, and so football can change, but I I do agree we. We did the predictions a couple of weeks back, um, and I just I don't see us quite having enough to get over the line. We have to go to Birmingham on Friday, and we have to win. Um, if we don't win there, like the the season essentially is over. So you um, don't think four points over that weekend is enough? No, I, I, I don't. I think we need to go to Birmingham. Uh, I think we need to win against Birmingham. We need to beat QPR on Monday. Well, four points would mean we'll probably definitely have to beat Bristol City, wouldn't we? Which yeah. I don't yeah. think we'll do anyway. So, But the thing is, if we beat Birmingham, we beat QPR, pick up maximum points from that, it gives the team confidence and they go into that Bristol City game with the pressure, obviously, of being a big game, but not with the pressure of saying we have to go out here and play amazingly and we have to have to win. We pick up four points or less, the pressure then is all on Derby. Bristol City know they can go uh, and potentially get a point and that would be good enough for them. Um, and that... Just, relaxes them a little bit more um, and I think we need to put the pressure back onto them and say look we're a team in form here uh, we can score goals and unlike recently we can also keep them out um, after the debacle at, at times against Brentford and Blackburn. The debacle against Brentford of which you speak you were you were there weren't you Richard? I was disappointed in you actually you went all the way to Griffin Park for that game and you didn't get a selfie in the way end of Mel Morris what's going on? I know yeah where, whereabouts was he actually was he right behind? he probably wasn't far from me was he upstairs was he downstairs? I've no idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> have been looking I think it was upstairs, actually. He was in, he was in the booze. He was in one of the uh, the four corner pubs, wasn't he, before the game? I was drinking in, in a different pub. Um, it was a really good away day, actually. I was saying to you earlier, it's the most fun I've had in, in an away end. Um, obviously, a free-free game is always entertaining, but just I thought from the moment I got to the ground, you could just tell the fans were on it. We got into the ground about 20 minutes before kickoff, and... We were singing, we were serenading the Derby County fans. Uh, sorry, we were serenading the Derby County players during their warm-up. And that's the first time I heard that Harry Wilson song. And Wilson was absolutely loving it, you could tell. Because we were singing that Harry Wilson song for about 15 minutes non-stop during the warm-up. And the other players were reacting to it. And Wilson was laughing and Nugent was teasing him. And then he turns and then he obviously scores two goals. And It has a factor. It, it has a part to play, doesn't it? Definitely. It would I mean, make it... you feel two foot taller. I absolutely would. We've only been to... I haven't been to... You know, I don't go to every away game. been to sort of a decent amount over the years I think the only couple of times I remember the atmosphere being like that when you can tell that the entire away end are completely on it from before I remember Peterborough away a few years ago when uh, all the fans were singing we're all singing through half time yeah that was brilliant I think we still lost, but it doesn't matter. And we also were 2-0 up, weren't we, and lost... Uh, that was Will Hughes' debut, I think, that yeah. one. But, but yeah, it is a rare thing, isn't it? When there's a, a sellout away crowd, it helps that Brentford's a terrace, and coincidentally, Peterborough is also a terrace um, there. But it does help when you've you've got that sort of togetherness and the Derby fans are, are sort of being positive and there's, there is no sort of negativity rolling off there. I think not... uh, Brighton away in the playoffs was the other one, I was just going to say. Um... I, I mean, on the negativity thing, Tom, I think that's quite important because... It wasn't the perfect game. There was there was problems at the back. Um, Brentford pressed us really well. Their pressing was much more effective than our pressing. And you can tell that Brentford's been doing that and playing against pressing for a lot longer than we have. So they look so much better on the ball when we pressed them. But the Derby fans didn't. The Derby fans never turned on on the Derby players at all. And I heard very little. Often you get you know a few individuals shouting, you know, moaning or shouting abuse at specific players. In a, and in a ground like that, the players can definitely hear even those individual shouts. It wasn't really any of that. The, the, the whole fans were behind behind the team the whole game. And it just felt like a really positive day. And it, although we were gutted to only get a point, and we conceded obviously a late equaliser, 
I came away from that game one of the happiest I've been all season. I think those four pubs are key, and being uh, <laughs> everyone being at least a little bit tipsy is probably yeah. uh, quite a big factor. Um, the sun was shining as well, and the, yeah. the annoying thing is if we'd have followed that up with a performance against Blackburn, which matched that Brentford performance, and um, we'd have probably beaten Blackburn, and we'd have been having a very different chat over this uh, over the hopes of the playoffs. Before we cl- take things to a close in this episode, King of Clubs time. The game where Richard and Tom have to uh, bid against each other to name as many former clubs of a former Derby player as they can. The name I gave you at the start of the pod was Mr. Robert Earnshaw. Tom, what's your first bid? Uh, I'm going to go uh, three. I'm going to go four. I think I've got four, but I'm just wondering if I've got the fifth. Um, Cuts, you're pretty hungover today, aren't you? I'm very struggling. <laughs> I'm going to give you four. I would like to see you. Um, I would have. I would have gone five. Would you? Yeah. Mm, we'll go five then. <laughs> we'll, ne- we'll never know. <laughs> four. That's a poker face right there. That four. Is. Go on. Yeah, four. That's uh, it. Norwich City. Correct. West Bromwich Albion. Correct. Cardiff City. Correct. And if you don't get the easiest one, then like that's ridiculous. This is excellent. Well, Derby County don't count. No. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's another easy one, Coach. They were the four that I had. I just couldn't think of a fifth. Good game's a quick game, mate. I know, yeah. <laughs> Sunderland. <laughs> uh, Nottingham Forest? Cannot believe Arbor. you bottled that. <laughs> Where was he at Forest? We sold him two Forest. Yes. And he okay. scored the winner against us whilst playing four Forest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, West Brom correct, Norwich, that one out. Cardiff, Derby, Forest. Back to Cardiff again. Maccabi Tel Aviv on loan. Toronto FC... Blackpool, Chicago Fire, Vancouver Whitecaps, um, 466 appearances, 183 Four goals. Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah, <laughs> quite a stint. How many goals did he score at Derby? One. According to his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Who was, was that game against, against? It was that game against Arsenal when we lost 6 2 at home, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he celebrated like mad, didn't he? Yeah, that's so crazy. Who would, who, would, who would you have not? Who would you have not got then, Tom? If you got Forest, who, which one would you not thought of? No, I, I think I had four, but I wanted to play it. I was playing a bit safe because I couldn't name a fifth, so I didn't want to be. I should have probably gone four actually. Any other business for the rest of the pod? Ipswich relegated most recently, making Derby County the longest-serving club in the Championship. A badge of honour for us. Well done, well done, Ipswich. Congratulations. <laughs> it just, um, that, that Ipswich thing shows how good a job Mick McCarthy was doing. Yeah, I know. And like, when, when he quit last year and had a bit of a rant to the Ipswich fans, he basically said, you don't know how lucky you've been having me. And everyone sort of laughed at that. And actually, now I'm laughing back at Ipswich. So Ipswich I literally imagine him now. His, his face is permanently like it is in, in, that, that, in that gif of him <laughs> in the dugout at Wolves. Just like a really smug... A smug look on his face, one eyebrow raised. No, I was thinking of the one where he, when Ipswich scored the winner, I think it was, it might have even been in the East Anglia derby, and um, he like celebrated and told the Ipswich fans to F off. And that's how I imagine him at the moment. Combination of those two. Um, It's also our 50th Steve Bloom was watching podcast. However, did we get this far? The difficult second 50. (laughs) Uh, Tom, do you have any any standout moments from the previous 49 episodes? of being being, uh, being reigning who ran my champion, that, I that, imagine that was that was one definitely, but also uh, having the pleasure of interviewing uh, among others Malcolm Christie uh, was a sort of you great... were fanboying over him big time on yeah. the phone. You were you were loving it. I was yeah, it's, and also speaking oh, to Paul Pesky, <laughs> Pesky Salido <laughs> and stuff like it's been it's been a pleasure obviously doing this and and getting to speak to people I never 
never thought I'd have uh, spoken to. So yeah, it's been great. I think uh, just yeah, hanging out with you guys has been a nice excuse. I've even moved in with Tom uh, during during that time, which probably wouldn't have happened. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I felt, I've had better days. I felt better, but uh, no. I, obviously, Malcolm Christie uh, was was great talking to to Malcolm and just general, just generally getting plugged back in with the club a lot more and and having the opportunity to talk about the Rami thing was a it was a, I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, so exercise a few demons. So uh, yeah, long, long may it continue. More of those player interviews to come. Fingers crossed. More to be revealed as and when it happens. Well, that's it for this uh, episode. This ceremonial 50th episode of Steve Bloomer's Washing. I guess I should really take a chance to thank everyone who uh, who listens regularly, um, everyone who retweets us, who shares the podcast, subscribes to it. Please carry on doing that. Like, you know, we'd really love to grow it even further and keep doing what we're doing. And it, it's literally, I'm not just saying this, it is the feedback and the, you know, the positive interactions we have which do keep us going. Otherwise, we're just talking to ourselves, aren't we? So, um, Which we do enough of anyway. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, thanks for listening. More to come in a couple of weeks. See you soon.